0: All right, so here's the passage. You can follow along in your handout. You have your Bibles, uh, your Bible app. Any of it will do. And by the way, it's been great staying connected to you guys with the Rise and Shine Morning Devotionals, Video Devotionals, and uh, I feel like we've just been on this journey together right out of Easter, and um, I've appreciated so much the response, and it, it, it has great meaning to me to hear that it's been a blessing to so many. Um, Verse 19 of John 20, again, we're we're talking about what happens right after the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, when we jump into this passage, we're going to see that the disciples were not even aware that Jesus was alive. Their perspective and understanding was not that he was alive. And we'll see this. It says, that, that Sunday evening, so that's Easter Sunday evening. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. That, this, can't, don't run past that too quickly. They're in a room huddled together. The doors are locked because they're afraid, right? And there is so much for us. We see on that, again, that first Sunday evening, that Easter night, the first night of a new world. It, they just didn't know it. They didn't know it. In, you know, no one understood, and I mean no one understood, the significance of what had happened earlier that morning. The disciples certainly did in fact, they didn't believe anything had even happened, nothing at all. The picture we have of them is hardly inspiring. They don't look, they look like anything but courageous, right? They are gathered together in what amounts to shared despair, in the, most likely in the upper room. And it's, it's good in a way, because one thing we can see here is they were together. And shared grief is, is, is better than having grief alone. Just like, uh, what's the old saying? You know, sh- shared grief is, shared sorrow is half the sorrow. Shared pain is half the pain. Um, shared joy is twice the joy, right? The idea is when we have others in our lives who help us it, and can help bear that. The disciples were together and that is good. Um, but there were rumors that were floating around that Jesus was alive, but that sounded absolutely ludicrous and fanciful, and they did not believe it. There is a revealing verse in Luke 24 that I I asked if they could put up. It gives us a frame of understanding what their mindset was and their words. That is the words concerning the, the angel at the tomb and Jesus being alive, seem to them like idle tales, look at that, they did not believe them. That is an emphatic statement. They did not believe them. It just seemed like everybody was making this thing up. No, nope, the disciples didn't believe it. You know, there was, not, it, there was not a sense that, oh yeah, this is what we thought was going to happen. Not at all. And, and in addition to their common disill- disillusionment, uh, the other reason they had found each other after the initial scattering in the garden and the awful, shocking, and devastating turn of events was that there was another rumor that was floating around. So there was the one rumor that, that the grave, that, that the tomb was empty, and someone had floated the idea that Jesus was alive. Some of the women who had been there said, He's, we saw this thing, these, he, these men who said he was alive, and they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. They're shut in. That was one rumor, Jesus is alive. <laughs> the other rumor, They believed. And that was that the same thing that happened to Jesus might happen to them. That, that rumor, that rumor they actually believed, um, they, that seemed far more real and less silly than the one about Jesus being alive. And if it was a true rumor that somehow they were the ones next that were going to get arrested, then they had every reason in the world to be hiding and afraid. Because for anyone who had witnessed it, The the suffering that Jesus endured was astonishing. They had all grown up. You remember, they grew up aware of Roman rule. They had grown up. They had lived. Imagine this. You, You are born into an environment where a foreign power is present. You pay taxes to that overlord. It's true you were given a lot of more autonomy than a lot of nations that Rome had conquered, but nonetheless, they grew up with that understanding. They had also seen what happens when you cross Rome. I mean, crucifixion was a tool. It was, it was originally invented by the Assyrians, but in, <laughs> in a twisted way, it was perfected by the Romans. And uh, they had used it the the terror of crucifixion as a death penalty, and it it was a way of keeping the population in line and because everybody was aware of how brutal and merciless the Romans could be with its application. Jesus had come to a cruel end, at least in part, though, because he had crossed the Jerusalem temple leaders And the disciples, they were students of Jesus. They were his followers. They they were his acolytes. They were his disciples. And and they had also, in earlier times, joined in in these heated conversations, and they had said amen to some of the scathing remarks that Jesus had uttered towards the the Pharisees and the scribes and these kind of verbal confrontations. And they were there, and they were with Jesus. And now... uh, as they scanned the room, there was a genuine realization that they could be next. And having watched what happened to Jesus and realizing the arrangement that the leadership had with Rome, it was now on their minds that they could be next and suffer in a way that was unfathomable. And so the picture of them is that they're huddled fearfully behind locked doors um, and honestly... Who could blame them? But verse 19, look at it. Suddenly Jesus was standing among them. Look at that. Suddenly Jesus was standing among them and he said this, peace be with you. All right, peace be with you. Without warning he appeared Oh, there by the way, there's two things worth noting concerning Jesus' post-resurrection body that stirred the imagin- that has stirred the imagination of theologians, mystics, and futurists. And even people who are heavily into physics. It, it, down the centuries. Because one of the things that is implied here is that it was possible for Jesus to appear. We we know two things. Uh, After Jesus' resurrection, there were two things the Bible talks about that Jesus was doing that he didn't do before. One was that he could appear without people recognizing him. That had happened with Mary Magdalene. That had happened with two other travelers on the road to Emmaus who didn't recognize him until he broke the bread. But the other thing was that he was no longer limited by time and space boundaries. He could appear and disappear in more than ordinary ways. For example, it specifically states that Jesus appeared while the door had not been opened. So the laws that, that you know, and now, you know, we have the human imagination conceives in uh, all kinds of things now incredibly about, you know, we live in the age of the superhero, don't we, right? Every film, uh, it's just came out, well, actually, one of them, The End Game, right, The End Game. <laughs> The, the fact is, though, a lot of these things that you know everybody's exploring, the Bible talks about that as a as a reality. There is something about it that is real. Jesus appears out at, without having to go through the door. He's there, and his pre- But it was a real. But here's the thing: it was a real presence. That's the other thing. His presence among them must have been startling. I try to imagine it and unsettling, startling enough that Jesus chose to calm them with the common greeting. Peace be with you. Peace be. Don't be afraid. Be at peace. It's me. And at verse 20, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands. Remember he had been nailed to the cross and his side. Remember there had been a, a spear thrust into his side um, He showed them his hands and his feet, his feet which had been nailed as well, right? And they were filled with joy when they, I love that, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Look at me and see me, see my hands and see my feet. Could it be, it was incredible but undeniable and slowly like a receding tide, their fear becomes overwhelmed by joy. And again, look what he says, again he said to them for the second time, peace be with you. Not the peace that to chase away fear, but the peace that settles one into a purpose this time. As the Father has sent me, so I want to send you. And then we're told in biblical language a phrase. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And one cannot help but think about the description in the book of Genesis and how God started human life as we know it with the breath of life. And he breathed life. And Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. I anoint you. I empower you for that which I am sending you. And I'm not only anointing you for your assignment, but I am investing you with authority. Look at verse 23. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. For through the message, I will give you the ability. Through this message, I will give you the ability to set people free from their sins. It goes all the way back to the announcement at his birth and all that was foreshadowed in the prophecies of the Old Testament. So what Jesus basically says is, get out from behind these walls. Pull back the curtains. Open up the doors. You were called not to be huddled in fear, but to be my messengers. Lights in a dark world, not shut in by the power of the Spirit that I now give you and will give you in an even more powerful way soon, in an even greater measure. So this is what the Lord was saying. This is the moment that we looked at, the rising up, the beginning of the of the rise of the way of Jesus starts here with their now conviction, except there was one disciple who wasn't there. And we're gonna look at what happened with him next week. Thomas, the beautiful doubter, who I love, I do, but that's next week, this week. What about fear? That's the passage. Let's interact with this. Okay, now we go. So all of those of us who, who uh, tend to take notes and, and just try to listen for what the Lord is saying, here, here's some things I wanna work off of this passage, okay? First thing I wanna say about fear. You can see it, it's obvious. Um, fear has the ability to keep us locked up and in hiding. Notice again, verse 19, because of, of the fear, the disciples were huddled behind locked doors and closed windows. How many people have turned in on life, figuratively shut their doors because of fear, right? Fear of rejection, fear of vulnerability, fear of being hurt again, fear of failing. As we get older, fear of irrelevancy, fear of what might happen Sometimes the fear of what might happen is consuming. I mean, you know, what was it, Mark Twain, who said, you know, I've suffered many great, many great things in life. Um, oh, I can't even remember the line. Most of which didn't even happen, right? Something like that. I, I totally messed up that, that quote, but I'll tell you. <laughs> the gist of it was we imagine stuff that doesn't happen, and we get disturbed in that imagination, right? We get stuck Imagining things of what will happen, and we allow ourselves to be sort of shut in by it. The fear of not succeeding, the fear that we won't make it, the fear that we can't do it, the fear that we don't have what it takes. I was talking to someone actually this morning who I could tell was struggling with their fear, and I got it. I said, you know what? The resurrected Jesus is alive, and he lives in you. You It's okay to have some fear. I get it, but he's... But you have gifts, and you have the opportunity to enjoy this moment and let him fill you with his joy and peace. And uh, that's not just words. What I'm suggesting is that fear has to be confronted, because it has the ability to keep us shackled. It has the ability to lock us up and keep us locked in so that we can't fly. We were born to fly. All right, you got to turn to somebody left and your right and say, you were born to fly. Come on, let's do it for me. Come on, give it a shot. You can do this. Born to fly. Fly. (laughs) We were born to fly not to be bound up in fear, tied down. We were made to run, fly, not live life afraid. How many years, how many days get wasted? It's like the proverbial book, it's never read. What was the end? This saying, I believe, is a true one. I think I get this one right. There's no difference between the person who can read and doesn't, and the person who can't read. (laughs) In the end, right, we we gotta decide. We're gonna use what we've been given. Get locked up, tied down, angry, whatever it is. You're stuck. Again, I see the the imagery coming in my mind's eye of being locked in the room. Can't get out, I'm afraid. Gotta run, gotta open the door. Living in an age of anxiety and fear, let's break out in Jesus. Let's break out, and that's gonna look different than for some of us and others, I get it. Some of us, it's just gonna be a little bit, a little bit of an expansion. For others of us, it's a time to just really take off running. Forget this stuff. Someone sent me a prayer this morning, one of our prayer team members, was going back and forth with her, and uh, she said, it's release, well, the word she had was release. Don't hope, release good. She didn't even know what I was going to preach about. She had it already. Fear can keep us from being hopeful and optimistic. And remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of mind. Two, in the fearful places, God desires to send us his peace. What did he say? The first thing he sees when he gets into the room, what does he say? Peace be with you. I have heard those words. I have needed those words. Oh, the anxious thoughts that bind me. Huh? My son, peace be with you. My daughter, peace be with you. Can we hear his voice? Again, his peace is designed to do two things. You'll see it here. His peace is designed to do two things. Settle us. Settle me down and send us. Settle and send. Rise up. Settle and send. I send you. I send you out. Right? Look at that. And again, to calm us in our panic place, so that we might embrace the plan he has for us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, uh, often quoted and worthy verse of being embraced, sometimes as a seasonal word and sometimes for people as a life word. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Especially when we hear voices saying, your best days are behind you. Ah, come at that in your name, Lord. Are you afraid? Are we afraid? Are you afraid? Christ be with you. Are you troubled? Peace of Christ be with you. Are you anxious about so many things? Peace of Christ be with you. By the, you know what the key is? Here it is, three. The key is where we choose to focus what we see. Did you, you, didn't, did you notice verse 20? I've always loved verse 20. It had two meanings to me. Then they were glad was the old version when they saw the Lord, but they were filled with joy when they what saw the Lord. It's when we see the Lord that the joy flows. Then they were glad when they saw the Lord, then they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. It's always about seeing. And what is it? What is that? But to remind ourselves of his promises, how do we, what do we mean by it? what is see the Lord? I'm talking about when we see him in his promise, when we, when we nurture those promises in our mind, when we stay close to his presence, right? That's what we're talking about. Remembering that when all is said and done, we have nothing to fear because the one we follow, the one with the nail prints in his feet and in his hands, the wound in his side has endured and conquered and the worst, of, the worst that life can bring and, and, and even death itself. And if that is true, we, what like the psalmist says, who shall I be afraid of? What can man do to me? To place our hand into his hand listen, that's what he says is to live life unafraid. To place our life in his hand is to live life unafraid. Now it doesn't mean we're not going to have fears. I have fears too. <laughs> I'm just preaching at you. I'm preaching I'm with you. Life, there will be places. And spaces, right? And you always hear me say something that may not make you afraid, may make me very afraid. And, and I've watched people handle their fears in so many different ways. Hmm? But the Lord wants us to put it, our hand in His hand, He wants our gaze upon Him, because when we gaze upon Him, then his joy will come and overcome our fear. hear what I said? When we look upon him, his joy will flow. Then they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. When we look upon him, the joy will come and the joy will overcome the fear that would grip and define. So if we are walking through things that are making us afraid, if we're starting to envision things that haven't even happened, And most likely won't. But even if they did, it's okay. We have the Lord. We don't need to be afraid. Remember we always talk about fear too? Fear inhibits our capacity to be creative. And oftentimes the way the Lord delivers us through things is by giving giving us thoughts that are creative to solve problems. But we have a hard time being creative when we're afraid. Calming our mind in the Lord and trusting him and then reminding ourselves again of his promises is a way of seeing him right and, and reminding ourselves and asking him i'm saying even more than reminding ourselves of his promises in his word which which is fantastic but also inviting him into those places okay one more thing a couple well real quick we we don't need to be afraid loved ones because he is not afraid to use us despite our fears and contradictions you say what do you what do you mean by this one Okay, let's shift back. That was the illusion. I was practicing my illusion. <laughs> we, we should not minimize how disillusioned, how deeply disappointed they were. How, again, I don't want to run past it. I think we do a disservice to just say, oh yeah, they were afraid in a room locked up. No, they were, they were broken. For one, there was a couple of reasons why they were broken. It wasn't just because of what they saw happen to Jesus. It was also because they knew they had failed him. And it wasn't just Peter. They had all failed him. In the garden, they all fled. Everybody ran, right? It's true. Peter, big talker, had been the worst. Well, Judas was the worst, but Peter was close to it. And they all knew it on the inside, So nobody was in that room throwing stones. No way. Collectively, their performance had been disappointing at best, shameful at worst. But to add to their misery, huddled in the room prior to the appearing, it must be admitted that they also felt like, listen to this one, I think they also felt like Christ had failed them. It's the first time I really thought about it this way. I mean, Jesus had made these claims. He had, he had said words. He had used his power to work miracles and healings. They had believed in him. They had left all to follow him. They had been all in. They had adjusted their career paths to follow him. And for what? He was, in the end, humiliated, proven not to be the man that both they thought he was and he said he was. And yet it was in that dark place of cruel disappointment that Christ appeared. And I love that. Because that's where he still appears, sometimes most brilliantly. His luminescence shines forth sometimes in the most dark, disappointing, defeated places of our life. Startling them, not only with his presence, but with his words. I want to send you out. It's as if he said, this is how I heard it. It's as if he said, you gave up on me, but I have not given up on you. And do you hear me when I say that even when we, like the disciples, forsake him? And I have forsaken him in spoken and in the unspoken. And I have forsaken him in deeds done and deeds undone. Even there, he will not forsake us. Though I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He just doesn't give up on us. He still wills to use us, even when we fail, even when we don't hit the mark. He refuses to cast us aside, calls us up to a higher path, and promises to fill us with the strength we need, his spirit, to fulfill the work that he has called us to do. So, church, and anyone else, let us... And here we let it be. Let us rise up and open up the doors. He sti- let us open up those doors. Let us let us live with open doors. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because we are the people of the open tomb, not the closed. The open tomb. The stone was rolled away, and it wasn't rolled away to let them in. It was rolled away to let them out. The stone's been rolled away so that we, too, could rise up in the power of the resurrected Jesus, pulsating, as I've been saying, for those of you who've been connecting on the rise and shines, as I've been saying, pulsating through our spiritual veins. The power of the risen Jesus at work in our lives, Nothing need defeat us nor define us. We rise up in the power of the resurrected Jesus and then we become, astonishingly, in his name, by faith, wounded healers of others. That's his will. Uh, Peace and sending. Rise up. Roll away the stone. Whatever those stones are. All right, here's what we're going to do. We have a treat at the end of this service. Um, both campuses do, but um, I wanna pray. We're gonna have uh, our time of quick giving. I know, and I, I, I need to say this every now and then, I know more and more of us are giving on, through the online or through the app, I get that. Uh, but I don't wanna assume that everybody does, so w- we just have a, qu- a quick time of giving, and um, then we have the song that I just, I want you to so just enjoy and embrace as a promise over our lives. I just, I heard them preparing it and it's just gonna be a blessing to you. But I wanna, I wanna pray the, over this word that we shared, okay? We kicked off this new series, but where is it gonna take us? Where's it gonna take us? God has a path. But I'll say this, there's probably things that he wants to break. I've already said, I, better, I just better pray, I better pray, I better pray. <laughs> if I don't, if I'll wander somewhere, okay. so. Lord, uh, I, I thank you uh, for the privilege of being able to speak your words of life. And I do ask that there would come a rising up in an age of incredible confusion and anxiety, never more entertained and never more anxious, never more affected by the complexity and in need of your touch at work in our lives, Lord. We, we crumble under relational pressure and we get paralyzed in our fears, enlarge our path, Hallelujah. make our feet not stumble, give us sure footing like a deer, nimble and capable of making our way through even complex things by the power of the resurrected Jesus, the one who rolls away the stones at work in our life. That's what we pray. Stay with us, Lord. Help us to stay with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, God. Amen. Amen. Amen.